Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. What, look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps. And then they carry with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a thousand at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. NWRetention.com. That's NWRetention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off. A lesson on race relations from me, Jesse Kelly. Trump heading to Wisconsin today. And finally, a race. Won by the good guys. All that's coming up right now on I'm Right. 
I'm going to get to Trump and Kenosha and the riots and all the other madness out there. I'm going to get to the pivot of the Democratic Party and their new two-pronged strategy for all of it. I'm going to get to all that. And I have to be honest, my entire show was going to be about all that. And then I did something I often do, which is make my show producers go wild. Because about two minutes before the show, I got an idea. I saw this New York Times headline, and it occurred to me, I have to say something about it. I wasn't going to say something about it. I had a totally different theme I was going on tonight, but it has to be addressed. So allow me to go into this. I wake up and I see this out of the New York Times, the largest newspaper in the United States of America. Quote, proud and fierce in their identity, the Marines have a singular race problem that critics say is rooted in decades of resistance to change. A handful of white men rule, rule over 185,000 white, African-American, Hispanic, and Asian men and women. Yes, they are coming for the United States Marine Corps. And I have had people writing me this all day long. Surely they're not coming for the Marines. Jesse, not the Marines, people. You ready to be offended? They're already there. They're already there. They already have a foothold in the United States military. Why do you think we have open communists graduating America's military academies? Why do you think, and get ready, about to be offended, why do you think we have women now we're forced into frontline combat infantry units? Women have no place in frontline combat infantry units. I'm not uh, sorry to say that in the least. I don't care if you're offended. Men are built physically different than women. We are a country of 350 million people. We have plenty of men willing to serve. There's no need to take a woman whose body will break down faster and stuff her into a frontline infantry unit where her hips will be destroyed, her knees will be destroyed, her shoulders will be destroyed. I am, I know you probably can't tell on camera, I am gigantic. I am six foot eight, 230 pounds, and to this day, my knees hurt from the pounding they took in a combat infantry unit. And they even did studies on it. They did studies where they put all male units and then mixed male and female units, and it was complete destruction. The mixed units were absolutely pitiful, got slaughtered across the board. And yet we did it anyway, and that was step one. Step two is going to be this crap, this race quota crap. And the last, one of the last things in this country that's completely merit-based. You rise and you fall based on who you are. They're going to start with this now. Well, I mean, do we have enough black generals? Uh, we need some Asian admirals. Uh, did anybody know, How many Hispanic staff sergeants do we have? Did, the United States Marine Corps was, when I was in it, the only place I've ever existed in my life that had completely figured out race relations. And you ready? You ready to hear how? It's not going to be what you think. We were horrible to each other absolutely horrible. My infantry platoon, black guys, Cubans, Mexicans, Guatemalans, people from all walks of life. We even had gingers in there. We were horrible to each other. We said the most terrible, racist things to each other, things that would make you cringe and get so uncomfortable right now because we didn't care about it, because we were willing to have open conversations with each other about it. That's why we joked, because we didn't care at all. We loved each other. 
I got out into the world, and I'll tell you, as you can probably tell, I'm a little non-PC. It's been one of the biggest adjustments I have, is everybody's scared to talk about race now. Everyone's scared to talk about differences in religion now, differences in culture here. I don't relate to that world. The Marine Corps figured it out a long time ago. Stuff them all in there together, let them give each other a bunch of crap, and in the end, they won't care. And we didn't care, and it was all walks of life, all of them, rural, urban, you name it. I had a guy in my school of infantry school, <laughs> still can't laugh about this to this day, he was a black dude, and they used to make us do these horrible things where they'd make us dig fighting holes in the middle of the mountains just to torture us. It's pouring, freezing rain. There's no point in it. They just wanted to torture us. It's the Marine Corps. Look, it's not the Cub Scouts. And every time they'd make him dig, he'd wait until the instructors walk away and he'd start singing slavery songs. I've never laughed that hard in my entire life. I had tears coming down my face. That is race relations, ladies and gentlemen. If you find yourself unable or unwilling to openly joke and talk about the differences in cultures, the differences in colors, you are the one with the problem. You know why they're coming after the United States Marine Corps? Because they're the ones who've actually figured it out. And there are a ton of people and entities in general in this country that are highly invested in you never figuring out that it really doesn't matter what color you are. In fact, you should probably joke about it a lot more than you do with your friends. I promise they'll be fine. All right, done with that. Donald Trump heading to Kenosha, already in Kenosha, surveying the damage, and here's what he had to say. We're looking at all of it. Uh, that was an interesting situation. You saw the same tape as I saw. And uh, he was trying to get away from them, I guess, it looks like. And he fell. And then they very violently attacked him. And it was something that we're looking at right now, and it's under investigation. But uh, I, I guess he was in very big trouble. He would have been, I, he probably would have been killed. But it's under, it could also increase enthusiasm. And it could increase uh, love and respect for our country. And that's why I'm gone, because they did a fantastic job. As soon as I called and told them, let's go, uh, the whole problem stopped. Good for him. Good for him standing up for that kid. And I'll tell you, I'm saddened by people on the right saying things like this. It's totally reckless to go. Okay. You can make an argument it may be a little dangerous maybe even would be what you call reckless. There is nothing more American in this world than a young man picking up a weapon and going to stand guard in front of private property so dirtball, Black Lives Matter, Antifa lefty scum cannot burn it down. That's the most American thing in the history of the world. And if that's all of a sudden no longer American, then I don't know what it means to be an American. That is awesome. Praying for the kid, hope he gets out, gonna support him every way I can, and if you don't like that, up yours. Trump continued. Well, it could also increase enthusiasm, and it could increase uh, love and respect for our country, and that's why I'm gone, because they did a fantastic job. As soon as I called and told them, let's go, uh, the whole problem stopped. 
That's, out, that's outstanding. That's what you want out of a president, right? And I hear people on the right, I'm not worried about scumbag leftists, but I hear people on the right saying, wow, he's going and it's, it's going to be divisive. It's going to create division. Now, hold on a minute. If the president of the United States is going to a town to support the people who've had their lives ripped, ripped apart, that's totally unifying. If they choose to make that divisive, that's not Trump's fault. That's not Trump's problem. That's their problem. I see this all the time. People so uncomfortable with confrontation, uncomfortable with just calling out the left's lies. If I tell you I like a bowl of vanilla ice cream and you say you're a scumbag racist if you eat a bowl of vanilla ice cream, and I still out, pull out a bowl of vanilla ice cream and eat it, I'm not being divisive. You're the psychopath. I'm just the guy eating vanilla ice cream. It is the job of the President of the United States to, on occasion, visit disaster areas and offer comfort to those people. That is expected. That is a good thing. And I'll tell you something else I can't stand from people on the right. Politicians, pundits, all of them demonizing the 17-year-old kid Kyle Rittenhouse for what he did or didn't do in Wisconsin. Let me reinforce this idea. I don't have any idea all the details yet, neither do you, because they're all going to come out. But what I do know is this. A 17-year-old young man packed up, drove down there, spent his time cleaning up graffiti that had defaced the town, and that night strapped on a weapon to protect private property. That much I do know. And I'm hearing people on the right say, ah, oh, he's an idiot. He's a nut job. Um, you can argue that might not be the safest thing in the world. That's fine. I get that. Don't you dare tell me that's not American. That's as American as it gets. Putting on a weapon, protecting private property from dirtball commie scum. Good for him. And I was happy to see the president come out and say this today. We're looking at all of it. Uh, that was an interesting situation. You saw the same tape as I saw. And uh, he was trying to get away from them, I guess, it looks like. And he fell. And then they very violently attacked him. And it was something that we're looking at right now, and it's under investigation. But. Uh, I guess he was in very big trouble. He would have been, I, he probably would have been killed, but it's under, it's under investigation. Good for him. That's perfect. Good for him. Standing up for somebody the media is trying to destroy right now, painting him as some white supremacist who went there to hunt people down. That's absurd. Here's his attorney. This is 100% self-defense, Tucker. There was a shot that was fired as Kyle was uh, retreating, actually, uh, from a mob that had become enraged that he was trying to put out uh, fires that the arsons had set uh, and because he was trying to protect property. Um, the, the mob became enraged. They began, began screaming that uh, Kyle needed to be killed and they were going to kill him. They started relentlessly hunting him as prey as he ran down the street attempting to retreat. Man, if that's true, there are a whole lot of people who are about to get sued for publicly calling that young man a homicidal maniac, a white supremacist, and everything else. But I guess we'll let time tell there. Here's what Joe Biden had to say. This president long ago forfeited any moral leadership in this country. He can't stop the violence because for years he's fomented it. 
You know, he may believe mouthing the words law and order makes him strong. But his failure to call on his own supporters to stop acting as an armed militia in this country shows how weak he is. What's wrong with an armed militia? I know I'm supposed to be offended by that, but man, I'm going to have to look again. I've got a constitution right here on my phone. I would have sworn that was part of the Bill of Rights. And I understand many Americans these days have lost what it means to be an American, have lost what that Bill of Rights was supposed to mean. I have not. I can read it. It's sitting there in plain English telling me an armed militia is necessary. Necessary. And, you know, it's not as if we don't know what they meant by well-regulated militia. They asked Jefferson about it. And you know what he said? The whole people, all the people. That's you. That's me. There's nothing wrong with an American citizen putting on a weapon to protect the life, liberty, and property. Nothing wrong. That is as American as it gets. Shame on Joe Biden. Call me an armed militia all you want. Doesn't offend me one bit. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. Now, here's what should make you uncomfortable. Your home title, it's not sitting in a dusty bank vault as a piece of paper somewhere. It's not. That's, that's the past. You have to adjust to the modern way. Your home title is digital now. It exists online, and therefore it is easy prey for these fancy cyber thieves to get their hands on it, forge your signature on it, take a loan out against it, and guess who has to pay that loan back? you do. And don't comfort yourself. Oh, I'm sure home insurance. No, 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 no. Your home insurance is not going to cover this. And get this, cyber crime is up 75% since all these coronavirus lockdowns started. They're online. They're prowling. As I speak, they're prowling. Protect yourself. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. If you use the code JESSE, you get 30 free days of protection. HomeTitleLock.com, promo code JESSE. We'll be back. They're not going to leave us alone. You know that, right? I've, I've come to accept it. I still have my moments where I get upset and irritated, but there's no place you're going to be left alone. Here's what I see happening in America, and I'm guilty, I'm doing this, is I'm retreating from things. I'm not going to watch this. I'm not going to that store. Not going to that restaurant. Well, I'm never traveling there. And and you know what? I don't feel bad about that. You should do the same. I'm done supporting people who hate me. But understand this. Wherever you retreat to, they're coming. If not today, tomorrow. Next year, 10 years from now, there is no escape because leftism is not a political ideology. Leftism... It is a religion of domination. As I've told you a million times before, they don't look at anything and say to themselves, oh, let's leave that alone. Nothing. One day you and I are going to be on a mountaintop cabin surrounded by wilderness, thinking we have finally escaped all the leftist commie scum, and... 
there's going to be a knock at the door. There's going to be an Antifa rally trying to burn down the place. That's how it is. And if I sound salty, it's because I am, and I'm salty about football. I'm a little upset about baseball. I enjoyed watching baseball games. I don't really care about the NBA, but I would tune in. Amazing athletes, honestly, the best athletes in the world, in my opinion. Tune in, especially for the finals, maybe watch a little drama. Well, I'm not watching any of that now either. But at least, after all the garbage of 2020, at least you and I had football season, right? Wrong. No. They're, they're going to take that too. As we're speaking about all that's going on, and this is about racism in America, that white people don't know. They don't know enough. And they need to be coached up. And they need to be educated about what the heck is going on in this world. They can't, the black people can't scream anymore. They can't march anymore. They can't bear their souls anymore to what they've, been, what they've lived with for hundreds of years because white guys came over from Europe and started a new country with a great idea and a great ideals and wrote down great, uh, great, great writings and laws and all of that about democracy and freedom and equality for all. And then it ain't happened. It is, that's not what happened because we went down this, this other road here. We followed economics and rich, rich white guys making money, and they put together a, a system of slavery. And we've never left it, really. It's never gone away. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. I don't even know what he was rambling about half the time, but let's just address a couple of things here. They've been going through this for hundreds of years. Nobody's 300 years old, 200 years old, 150 years old. This thing I see people do, and this isn't reserved for any religion or skin color, of they try to claim the successes of somebody in the past, or they try to claim the failures, the victimhood of somebody else in the past, that might fly with your mommy. That might fly on TV. That might fly with that idiot Pete Carroll. That doesn't fly with me. You're not a victim in this country, especially when you're Pete Carroll. You are a millionaire, and your job is to show up every single day, and you're staring at a room of probably 70% black dudes, all millionaires. Please don't tell me we've never left slavery. You know who that's disrespectful to? The poor people who actually went through slavery. Has Pete Carroll never seen documentaries on slavery? Ever read books on it? Ever seen pictures of what happened to those poor freaking people? Beaten, raped, killed, treated like cattle? Slavery is a disgusting, repugnant institution. And to compare what we have now with that is not only idiotic, it's completely disrespectful to the people who went through it. It's like those morons in the Democratic Party when they were building detention facilities on the border for people coming over illegal, running down, calling them concentration camps, and comparing them to the Holocaust. There is no comparison to that. How in the world can these people be this lost, broken, and stupid? I have no idea. And you know what? For anybody, in any walk of life, the second you start out a sentence with, here's what white people need to know, uh, probably time to take a step back and self-evaluate. All I'm saying. Now, let's talk about something really cool. 
I really want a walk-in vault from Vault Pro. I do. Don't get me wrong, I have a Vault Pro gun safe. I would highly recommend you buy a Vault Pro gun safe, warranted for life, made in America. But they have walk-in vaults. They have vault doors, they have storm shelters, but the walk-in vaults, they're so cool. And you can customize these things. If you want to add a workbench, you can add a workbench. If you want to add a gun rack, you can. You want to add shelves here, you can. You need to go to vaultprousa.com slash jesse, vaultprousa.com slash jesse, and look at the laundry list of things you can add to one of these Vault Pro walk-in vaults. You're going to want one. While you're there, do not forget to use the promo code THEFIRSTTV. That'll allow you to enter to win a free Vault Pro handgun safe. I have one of those, too. And they're freaking awesome. VaultProUSA.com slash Jesse, promo code the first TV. We'll be back. Joining me now, a man with a resume that's about 10 miles long. His name's Darren Porcher. He's a former NYPD lieutenant, criminal justice professor as well at Pace University and host of crossing the line. Well, Darren, I'm not even sure where to begin on you and your career. Why don't we start out with police force? Why the police force? Well, I I go back to, you know, I, I was a I was a, a US Army officer years ago, so from 86 to 90, I was on active duty in the military. And then when I left the military, I, I transitioned into civilian life and I worked at the United Nations. And it was kind of a tough situation because my boss was an Iraqi. And at the time we were doing it, we were putting together an assemblance to invade Iraq. So I don't have to tell you what my experience was <laughs> in connection with that. So, you know, that being said, I needed to transition out of the door immediately. And the NYPD <laughs> was the first door that was open that allowed me a level of stabilization and a connection with what I did when I was on active duty. I want to ask you about the Army, actually, in the, in the NYPD, because it applies perfectly to how I opened my show tonight. There was an article out today about the Marine Corps going to start trying to transition to race quotas and things like that, and I explained to everybody. I was in a Marine Corps infantry platoon, and we said the most awful things to each other on a daily basis, and nobody cared absolutely. about race. It was, yeah, it was, that, was what we, that was routinely what we did. We, <laughs> we said things to each other that would make a normal civilian cringe, and nobody cared. It just wasn't important. And it's been an adjustment for me to go to the civilian where, well, now no one wants to touch anything. Everybody's scared. Everybody, I don't know how we take that and put it in the civilian world, but I wish we could. You know, Jesse, it's so funny. I, I, you know, I salute you as a former infantry um, man in the Marine Corps. I did infantry time in the in the Army, and the one thing that no one can—I shouldn't say no one—but it would be difficult for people to understand what your time in the what your time in the field consists of. You say and do whatever's on your mind, so to speak. PC culture is out the window, but you have to take into account what is the mission of the U.S. military, more so specific to the infantry, is get it done by any means possible. So there's really no time to placate people and paint schools and mow lawns. We're there to, for a specific purpose. And as a result of that, we've had success for years on end with this U.S. military. And that is the platform that we move forward. So to make the adjustment um, in connection to with it being a, a more um, 
friendly, uh, more friendly environment in the Marine Corps, I don't think it's worth it, and I would never sign up for that. When I signed up to be an officer in the Army, I understood what the mission was, and I was wholeheartedly behind it. Darren, you made an excellent point there about you didn't have time to worry about those things. You had a mission. You had something you had to do. And frankly, you're just trying to stay alive while you do it. Is that our problem with all the division in this country? And I don't just mean race division, religious division, political division. Are we just too fat, rich, lazy, and frankly bored so we look for things to fight about? I, you know, I have to agree. I think that we've transcended, transcended into a direction that is in diametric opposition of keeping our nation safe. Do we have the plausible rights that are afforded to us under the First Amendment? Absolutely. But at the same token, from a military perspective, we have a job to do. I saw a movie years ago with Jack Nicholson, A Few Good Men, and he had a, a very poignant speech that I always reflect to. And that, that speech was, what we do saves lives. We get it done no matter what. And that being said, the PC culture that's driving America is subsequently causing us to spiral out of control. I think this is the time that we need to make that identification and understand that, look, what we're doing is taking us in the wrong direction. And I'm speaking as a diehard conservative. My conservative values are wide and deep to the right. And subsequently, what I see that is destroying us from the left is subsequently filtering down society and putting us in a worse place. I'm glad you brought that up because you're, you're obviously NYPD. Everybody knows about NYPD. They're the most admired cops in the United States of America for good reason. And it's, it's unreal to watch the Democratic Party descend from being, I mean, even Bill Clinton would never have done things like this, to descend from being the party of Bill Clinton to being the party in control of some of our best cities, and they are openly anti-cop. I can't remember a time in American history where mayors of either party were ever openly anti-cop, but that's where we are. When did this happen? You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that, Jesse, because I remember years ago, Democratic mayors always align themselves with the police departments because the police department and the and the elected officials should have that symbiotic relationship it should be one and the same what the elected official states is what's executed by the officers that are on the ground but when we look at the violence that's plaguing us as a nation such as portland seattle chicago new york and now recently in kenosha it really begs the question of the far left that's driving a narrative with these democratically elected mayors. It's taking us to a bad place. Just recently, I heard Joe Biden speak out against the rioting. However, how long did it take him to make that statement? It seems as if the Democrats have been unwilling to make statements against these people that are rioting and plaguing our nation with violence. And it's par for the course in terms of where they stand as a party. We need to get behind and coalesce behind leadership that is prone to make this a better and more safer place. And I don't see it being done from the left and the Democrats. I need somebody to explain to me, and you'll be the perfect one to do it. Why would anybody stay a cop in one of these major cities right now? I think about that. I think about it, especially if you have a young family and you see how you, nobody has your back. They're going to throw the book at you the first chance they get. Why not just wash your hands of it and head out to the, some safe suburb and go be a cop out there somewhere and eat donuts and cruise around and bust people for DUI and just call it a, just call it a day? Well, the morale is at an all-time low in all departments. And, Jesse, this is something that I think that you can relate to. 
a an infantry officer deploying to Iraq clearly knows when you leave the green zone that those people in that area are diametrically opposed to your existence. But you understand that this is something that you're doing from the place in your heart because you believe it's the right thing to do. That same sentiment translates to what an officer is doing on the ground here in the United States. You are protecting or affording protections to citizens under the, within the purview of the social contract. That being said, a lot of officers, including myself as a past officer, believe that it's the right thing to do and the end game is what's necessary to keep us safe. I'm glad we still have guys like you. All right, how do you go from being a New York a New York cop to having your own show, Crossing the Line? How'd that transition happen? <laughs> you know, we say we, we, we launched some some lightning bolts on the show because you know, my myself and my partner, Joseph Imperatrice, he's the founder of Blue Lives Matter NYC. And so we speak to a lot of the issues that the systemic issues that are plaguing our culture that people are unwilling to speak to. Oftentimes people say, look, I'm not going to say this because it can be somewhat vitriolic. But at the same token, I believe it's necessary to get the facts on the table because the silent majority wants law and order and they want a society that is that, that is somewhat serene and you have the ability to go outside, walk your dog without a fear of being shot. That's what we want in a lot of these metropolitan cities such as New York. Therefore, we echo the sentiment of that of that silent majority and not the loud minority from groups such as um, B, um, Black Lives Matter and Antifa that are looking to impose a sense of anarchy. Darren Porcher, ladies and gentlemen, his show is crossing the line. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you. Thank you. Tune in every uh, every Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern time on Facebook Live. About that. Friday, 7 p.m. Thank you, sir. Now, we need a heavy dose of something in this country. Well, probably need a heavy dose of lots of things if we're being honest. But one of those is definitely patriotism. That has been one of the things that's been on my heart and in my face for quite a while now, and I know it's been on yours as well. It seems like half the country hates the place. It doesn't have to be that way. You should be proud to be an American. You should feel blessed to be an American. Atlantic Flag and Pole, they have a mission. Their mission is to get an American flag in every yard in this country. They have this Phoenix telescoping flagpole kit totally easy to install it's american engineered with american aluminum get it in your yard and it has a swivel system set up so the flag won't bunch up and do that wraparound thing you know exactly what i'm talking about and i'm going to save you a little money if you go to atlanticflagpole.com that's atlanticflagpole.com and use the promo code jesse you get 10 percent off Joining me now, a man who, well, graduated West Point, and pretty much his entire family has graduated West Point, and he has 9,000 master's degrees, and he flew Apache helicopters, and he's getting ready to be a congressman from my area in Houston, Wesley Hunt. Wesley, first of all, tell me, in all seriousness, how has your life improved since Lady Antebellum changed their name to Lady A? 
<laughs> you have no idea tremendously. I don't know what I'd do if they would have kept it the same, Jesse, to be honest with you. I don't know what I'd do with myself. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> all right, Wesley, in all seriousness, you have this, I mean, this laundry list of accomplishments. Why do you want to go back and work with AOC? I mean, well, all right, maybe not her specifically, because I can understand why you'd want to work with AOC. But why would you want to go work with Democrats? Well, you know, we have to make sure that we take conservative values back up here to Washington and take Texas, specifically Houston, Texas, energy capital of the world, energy corridor. And right now, they are there's an assault on our industry here in Houston. Let's just be clear about that. And if we don't have voices to take the fight back to Washington, then there's not going to be much of a Houston left in the foreseeable future. And when you hear, you know, Vice President Joe Biden talk about ending the oil and gas industry by 2035, and when you look at Kamala Harris, who is the uh, co-author of the Green New Deal in the Senate, and then you look at my opponent, Lizzie Fletcher, that has actually already openly and publicly endorsed both of them. And she's the congresswoman for the energy capital of the world. I hope you can understand the conflict of interest that we see here. And that's why I'm running. And I'm not, look, I would love to work with people that are reasonable, that want to make sure that we further capitalism and further the well-being of this country. But if you don't want to, we have to draw a line in the sand. And I'm willing to do that. When did this happen to Democrats? Because, Wesley, I, look, I'm old enough to remember when even Bill Clinton, for all his problems, Bill Clinton was not Green New Deal, destroy the oil industry. I mean, he may not have been as pro-oil as Republicans, but the Democratic Party was not like this very, very recently. That's not that long ago. When did this happen? Why did this happen? There's no, there really is no such thing as a, as a moderate Democrat anymore. Um, it is... It is the party of Bernie Sanders. It is the party of Nancy Pelosi. My opponent, Lizzie Fletcher, has voted with Nancy Pelosi 99% of the time, like many of these freshmen that are Democrats. And at some point, this has just got to stop. They've gone so far left that they don't even know where the American people are. And it's dangerous. Normal Americans, where are they? Well, normal Americans want a few things here, Jesse. They, they, they want to be safe. They want to feel protected. They want economic prosperity. They want to go to work. They want their kids to go to school. They want the American dream. That's where we are. I don't like to put a label on that. They're, well, they're, they're moderates. They're left center, right center. This Look, we are Americans. And if you want those things, then guess what? Come on board. Come on our team. Because that's actually what we want as Republicans. And I think if we make sure that we label people where where their values are instead of allowing the labels to determine their values we're going to be way better off what should the federal government do when it comes to these violent protests in cities and honestly wesley i'm genuinely asking because i don't know how i feel about it i watch these small businesses being burned down and i'm thinking send in the marines and bash some heads and then at the same time i think and it's not really it's not really constitutional to go in and take over. You know, I, I, I'm constantly torn. Where, where should I stand on it? The number one role of the, of the federal government is to keep her citizens of this country safe. It's the number one role. And so that's why we have the National Guard, actually. The National Guard is an active duty military, and I do not want to see Apache helicopters flying over our cities and here in America. But that's why we have the National Guard, that we can make sure that we keep our citizens safe when local municipalities cannot. And, and, and that's what I think the president is even trying to do in some of these cities, like, you know, like Portland and, and, and Chicago and Seattle and New York. 
They need some federal help and they should ask for it because right now their citizens are suffering and that's where we should land. We have to get to the point where we are keeping the people and the taxpayers of this country safe. We can't even have one Apache over Portland or something? Yeah, we can talk later, Jesse. <laughs> uh, I have been arguing, as you've heard me do, against Republican weakness for a long time. I, I can't stand it because we, I can foresee Republicans sweeping into this election if we work hard and do the right things, taking back the House, you know, gaining, gaining in the Senate, Donald Trump reelected, and then doing what Republicans so often do, which is nothing, afraid of their own shadow, scared to get yelled at by the media. How can you get there and inject some backbone in some of these weenies? <laughs> easy let's talk about the things that made this country what it is today if, if, if we have got to stop this okay we have got to band together and make sure that we have a united front to stop socialism we don't want higher taxes we want lower taxes we don't want more regulation we want less regulation these are very simple concepts and we have and, and they've made they've made it clear where they stand on all of these things with the Green New Deal and Medicare for All, et cetera, et cetera. We know these things. So there's no point for us to really split hairs on where that line is drawn. Let's keep America what it is. Let's continue to grow. I'm willing to recognize that we have some room to grow. We've had some issues in our past. Let's acknowledge that and then let's build on it, not burn it down. Well, see, Republicans talk a lot about the suburban mom vote, and then you turn around and Democrats are talking about the suburban mom vote. And I live in suburbia around these suburban moms. They certainly aren't all the same. I've got some absolute fire-breathing conservatives in there and complete psychopathic liberal women in there and everything in between. What does a suburban mom want? How do you even go after the suburban mom vote? You know, I'm really fed up with identity politics, as you could probably imagine. And my wife is a suburban mom, and she is a conservative. And there are lots of conservative well, suburban moms out there. And what I tell people when I hear this question is this. The rising tide raises the elevation of all ships. Suburban moms don't want to be safe. We all want to be safe. Suburban moms don't want to go outside and, and worry about the, the, the health and welfare of their children. We all worry about that. So when they say, what are you going to do to get the suburban mom vote? I'm going to do the same thing to get the suburban mom vote that I would get any citizen that lives in this district. That would be like me saying, as a black man, I'm running for Congress, but I'm only going to go support the black causes and black issues. That would be ridiculous. It's my job to support everyone in this district, regardless of your race, religion, or creed. Let's start focusing on what is good for our communities. It's not only good for suburban white moms, but suburban white dads, and black dads, and black moms, and Hispanic moms, and Hispanic dads. And let's band together as Americans first. Again, the rising tide raised the elevation of all ships. Let's get together to do this and then we can hash out our differences later. Well, that's all I support our black causes. Wesley, Afghanistan. We're still there. Donald Trump doesn't want us there. We appear to be drawing down. Where do you stand on that? I'll tell you, man, I'm done with the place. I'm done with it. It is what it is. We've done what we can do. I'm ready to go. Where do you stand? I agree. And I agree with you on that, Jesse. And I think 
that President Trump is on the right track. The idea of us spending decades and decades and decades in the Middle East, I think, I think has run its course. We have a Judeo-Christian background and a Judeo-Christian thought, and I'm someone that's been a tour of duty in Iraq and two years in Saudi Arabia, and I'm here to tell you that our culture is diametrically opposed to the way they view the world. They've been warring for thousands of years, and they're going to continue to do so. And there is a way for us to continue to keep our citizens safe, while at the same time not engaging in these, you know, 10, you know, 20 year quagmires. And by being strategic with how we deploy our forces, being strategic with how we use our technology, that's how we're going to get this done. Look at what we did with Qasem Soleimani, right? This is a great example of that. We did, it didn't require us to go invade Iran and, and put boots on the ground to the size of brigades and battalions. We were smart and strategic with how we implemented our our military and we could we could continue to do this when it's time for us to put boots on the ground let's do it and when it's not time we should and i think the idea of us pulling out of afghanistan and continuing to monitor it is a good idea amen wesley hunt tell people how they can support your campaign sure please uh my website is wesleyfortexas.com my handle is wesley hunt texas tx and please, you know, please feel free to call me, reach out to my campaign, go to my site. We really would like your financial support as well if you have some room to give. And most importantly, get out there and vote. Amen. Get out there and vote. We will be broadcasting your cell phone number later on the show. Wesley Hunt, thank you, sir. I appreciate you. <laughs> thank you, Jeff. It's good talking to you, brother. Super <laughs> five. Super <laughs> five. Veterans are the reason we're here, aren't they? I mean, aren't they? They're the reason you and I get to live free every single day. But you don't come back from combat whole, ever. Nobody does. You don't come back 100%. You'll leave pieces of yourself over there. And it takes time and often it takes help to put yourself back together when you come here. Guys sometimes turn to things, oftentimes turn to things that aren't necessarily healthy. They'll turn to the bottle of booze, pills, who knows what else and they find themselves addicted, and it only gets worse from there. Warriors Heart Foundation is finding these guys, bringing them in, and getting them out of it with real support. If you are one of these guys, or you know one, call. This phone number is monitored 24 hours a day. Call 866-950-0636. That's if you're one of those guys. If you're not, and you want to support Warriors Heart Foundation, which I strongly encourage you to do, go to warriorsheart.com slash the first. That's warriorsheart.com slash the first. We'll be back. There's nothing I love better than a good race. Now, not a foot race like I'm about to show you in this video. I don't like those very much because I'm as slow as molasses. But I love a good competition out there. Nothing like that feeling of victory, especially when your opponent humiliates themselves. Enjoy. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I hope the kid just off camera, as soon as they stopped rolling, turned around and gave her a little point. They love that. Chicks dig it. All right. See you tomorrow.
On the Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of the Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years was solely dedicated working undercover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually, my drink was, give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink, the guys come in, I'm gonna go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money, bam, I give her $100. If you're with the mob, I say, hey Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.